G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko and today I'm joined by my friend Andy. G'day Andy, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, bro. Excellent. So it's your first time on the show. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited because you're actually the person who really got me back into Formula One and is kind of the reason this ended up becoming a show. I know, that's why I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. We should probably go back through the reason why we like Formula One so much and kind of our history with it. So I'll start. It was 2019. I just moved back to Wollongong and it was the middle of summer and you said, do you watch Formula One? And I said, no, but I really like motorsport and I haven't watched it in years. So we sat down and watched the 2019 Australian Grand Prix together, didn't we? Yeah, I think we watched it live too in March. Like it was like perfect timing. I didn't have too much on at work at the time, so we sat down, put it on the TV, and we just we just watched and like riffed the whole time. Yeah, it was a really good time. That was the first race for Daniel Ricciardo in Renault, because that's when his front wing got taken off right in the ditch, wasn't it? Yeah, because he left in 2018. Yeah, so the very first race we watched was the Australian Grand Prix with Daniel Ricciardo getting his wing taken off in the first race, and I was hooked. And then we watched. I think every Grand Prix together that year. I think we, we made a point to try and watch every Grand Prix. I think we missed like one or two. Yeah. And it started, I guess, a really, really toxic watching behavior when it came to Formula One because we started riffing on the sport quite a bit. And then that turned into an idea to call each other weekly to discuss every single race. And then that turned into an idea of going, wow, we well, think we're kind of funny. Let's see if we can do this in front of some microphones. And that's how we ended up here. Yeah. It's sort of crazy how this has all come about, to be honest. Like, maybe like a year ago, you're like, maybe we should do a podcast, and here we are sitting in front of microphones. Yeah, and then the whole reason we're recording this episode now is Reese is on holidays, and we accidentally went live last Monday. Yeah. that. <laughs> so the reason we brought you in on the show is because Reese is away, and when Tommy, our producer and the man who helps with the other show we run... We're working together on Monday, figuring out how we're actually going to distribute the shows we're working on. We were fiddling around and then suddenly we clicked a few buttons here and there. And then suddenly there was an email from Spotify that said, hey, you're on. And we went, oh no, we've only got a pilot done. And the other show only had a trailer done and we're suddenly live. And then other emails were coming in from other other uh, distribution platforms going, you're live, we're ready to go. So we've had to do a bit of a scramble to... Get content ready because we're about uh, two weeks ahead of where we should have been. Yeah. But, like, it's perfect timing if you think about it because we've just had, like, a bunch of paint jobs and liveries come out for cars. So it's sort of the perfect timing. At the end of this week, you got testing. So, you know, we're good to go. And within a month, we'll have races. Absolutely. So this episode, we're going to pretty much go through every team's livery, what we think of the car, whatever mechanical details we've been able to sort of identify and want to talk about. I think you're going to have more of those than I have because I've pretty much just looked at every car and gone, wow, that looks really good. And that's the summation of all my notes. So I'm hoping you've got some pretty interesting technical expertise or things you've picked up because you've watched the sport for a lot longer than I have. And you think about that a lot more than I have. I have some opinions. I don't know if you could call them expert opinions because I'm not an engineer, but, you know. You're an angry, opinionated bogan who likes cars, so you've definitely got something to add to the show. Yeah, I'm Australian. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, fair enough. All right, shall we begin, my friend? Let's do it. First team to release this year was Haas. What were your initial thoughts when you saw it? All hail the motherland, Russia. So you've gone, you've seen, you've seen the livery and you've gone, ah, daddy's money might have bought a little bit of the paint scheme here. I think that's been obvious for the past two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it has been. I really like the look of it, though. They've gone for a matte white. Yeah, and no. I thought the matte white was gorgeous. No, I completely agree. Don't get me wrong. It might look like the Russian flag so that Mazepin can run under a Russian flag without running under the flag. Because they're still banned, aren't they? Yeah, they're banned for like the next year or so. Has more controversy happened around that or am I just making that up? Nah, I don't think so. I think it's all because of the Olympics bullshit, isn't it? I can't even remember. All Me I know, neither. That's all, all I, I know. know is Russian athletes can't run under the Russian yeah, flag. Yeah, at the for, moment. Yeah. And cheating. it's sort of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like how Albon's not running under the Thailand flag. What's he running under? I believe it's the British flag, but don't quote me on that. Oh, fair enough. I'm not quoting you on it. Yeah, but everyone listening Yeah, might. but if I was going to say... I was going to say... Yeah, if someone who doesn't like you who's listening, they will definitely quote you on it. It was a CAD drawing. It was. So I don't... There wasn't a huge amount of technical data we could kind of grab from the design. What did you pick up? What did I pick up? I, well, obviously, as you said, it was a CAD drawing over the, the car that the F1 released, I believed. Wasn't it? It was the car, like that, that model. The show car. The show car thing. So I couldn't really pick up anything of it. What I will say about the Haas this year is I really hope they close that midfield gap because there's nothing more depressing than seeing MSC at the back of the pack. I was going to say, despite the controversy of Mazepin as a driver and his previous behaviour, I think we can give a little bit of work, a little bit of credit where credit is due, and that he does seem to have improved not only his driving talent but his behaviour. I still don't like him, but I think last year he did mature a little bit, and I'm using that to leapfrog into the point that if there is any team I really, really, really want to see close the gap this year. It's Haas, and I think that's the general sentiment around the F1 world at the moment. Yeah, Gunther Sainz has been through enough. I don't want to see him have a heart attack this year. It, it really, is a genuine risk at this point with I, everything he's been through. I completely agree. And, you know, I know he comes off as a bit of a maniac on Drive to Survive, but that's what I love about him, to be honest. He is a lovable maniac who yeah. does genuinely care. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of team principals are lacking is Gunther's heart. And his empathy. That yeah. And it is evident... He managed Magnussen and Grosjean, who neither of them are untalented drivers, but they were both slumping as a team began to slump. And he really, really gave them every opportunity to step up and improve. And he has consistently worked to bring about improvement within that team. And I think, and I really hope with how over the last four years, they have stated that we are preparing for the new regulations. We are getting ready for the new regulations that whatever they've done and this new relationship they have with Ferrari with some of the Ferrari personnel and them developing a workshop within the Marinello base really comes to fruition. I really, really, really want to see those Haas boys get a few points this year. Me too. It's not so much Mazepin, but more Mick. Like, oh, Mick definitely has, Mick. Mick has done nothing but been a sweetheart in the F1 paddock. Seeing him and Seb's relationship as friends, like, it's just heartwarming. It is really nice to see a relationship between Mick and Seb develop over the year. 
I think the guidance that he's provided is only going to set Mick up for a sustained career in the future. And for people who love the sport like we do and who consume so much media outside just the race weekend, it's really nice seeing that sort of stuff inside the really cutthroat world of F1. I completely agree. And considering everything around the Schumacher family, like it's really disheartening to know that Mick doesn't have that guidance that he could have. It's always going to be part of the Schumacher story now is the fact that Michael couldn't parent Mick in the way that a lot of us or a lot of the people who grew up around Michael Schumacher kind of expected. That's always been part of the story of Michael is Mick's always been on the scene and it was going to be this fantastic father-son relationship. Unfortunately, that was taken away from both of them. And having said kind of step in to fulfill a small part of that role is absolutely lovely. And considering when um Seb came onto the scene, like he's in Red Bull, he's winning these world championships, who was standing next to Seb that whole time? Michael. Exactly. So it's it's just nice to see Seb try and give back to that family that's helped him out in just a small way. Yeah. Makes it feel nice. It really does. <laughs> Especially with how rough the world is the last couple of years. There's something nice to look at there. Yeah. And, like, it's just lovely. Do you it, have anything else on Haas, though? What do you think happens if they fail this year in regards to the Haas name and the Haas money? I can't see Gene staying for much longer. Can he stay for much longer? How... I don't know a huge amount about American motorsports. I know he is a very big name over there, but I don't know how much money he has. I know F1 is super expensive. I don't think this investment is paying off at all. This nah. is is this make or break? This is make I, or break. I feel like this season's make or break for them. If they if they fail, Haas might pull out, and the only person I can see putting in money to keep that team afloat is Dimitri Mazepin. It's the obvious choice. It clearly is. Like this, it, Let's be honest, Nikita's probably not going to get a run in any other team. I can't see another team picking him up without significant financial investment from his father. And if Haas is leaving, he has enough money to just step in the same way that Stroll stepped in. Stroll stepped in, formed a conglomerate, bought a leading stake in Aston, and that's how he took ownership. But I can't see a reason why Dimitri wouldn't just step in and fill that financial gap. And knowing that the Russian oligarchy does help each other out, I'm sure that will come with significant investment from other Russian companies if there is a Russian business owner for a team. I don't see a massive issue with it, except for the fact that that means it prolongs Mazepin's place in the sport. F1 is an expensive sport. It's never a good idea to point fingers about financial shadiness but let's be real every world championship and world organization is always a little bit underhanded with where the money goes so of course people buy teams all the time if he buys it he buys it that's just how it goes the only annoying part about that is it means nikita will stick around if he continues to improve hopefully he can get to the point where he just becomes a midfield driver on the team that sticks around for five, ten years longer than he should have and everyone just goes, yeah, well, he was fine. If not, it's going to be a bit of a laughing stock or a bit of a tension point for the next few years because it's going to be someone who really shouldn't be in the position they are, who's only kept there because of family investment. And I don't think anyone wants to see that. 
Not really. Not when you consider that F1's meant to be the pinnacle of motorsport. It absolutely is. And it and it still bills itself as that. And I still think it is. Yeah, but it's got 18 of the best drivers plus Nikita Mazepin and Lance Stroll. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I think we should leave Haas there. Should we move on? Yeah, let's go. Red Bull. Oh, the RB18. RB18. Red Bull 18. What do you got? How nice is it to see that fucking big number one on Max Verstappen's car? I love it. I'm a massive Max fan. And for anyone who's listening to this, as the races go on, I think it will become more and more evident that I have a heavy bias towards the Dutch world champion. The red number one looks brilliant. I understand why Lewis never decided to run the one. I fucking hated that he never did it. But I really didn't like it. You win the championship, you wear that one. You you should wear the one, and it's nice to have it back. Also, Max's helmet is incredible. Oh, the white and gold is beautiful. It's so lovely. I, oh. I've always loved Max's helmet. That fucking gold line on the top of it is just so nice. The gold line is beautiful. The race suits, the livery is beautiful. I mean, the obvious thing is nothing's really changed. They have a new title partner, Oracle. Didn't they have a crypto sponsorship just come through recently too? I believe so. But on the side pod where they've lost Aston. They lost it two years ago. Who did they lose this year? Oracle was there last year. It was on the Halo. Yeah, now it's on the side pod. Okay. That's what I mean. They bumped up. They're they're the title partners now. Because it also, the the front ring has BitBuy or whatever the the new crypto sponsor is. It's on the, the front wing above the Red Bull. Oh, yeah. Nice. I haven't spent, because this Red Bull is another CAD design, it's essentially the show car with delivery. Yeah. And it was even wrong because the crypto sponsorship came out a couple of days after they showed the livery. So yeah, they there had you to, go. So, but like at the same time, it's such a lovely car. Like, it is. There's a Red Bull design, you know what you're getting. Yep. You're going to get the matte navy. You're going to get the nice bright yellow. You're going to get the red overlay the red bull the red lines the smooth sponsorships it looks great the matte finish the matte finish is stunning it always has been it has i couldn't stand the red bulls when they were bright and shiny since they've gone to the matte navy look they've been incredible every year and that's kind of it that's that's all you can say about the red bull the car is going to be significantly different to what was shown in that reveal and the reason they're doing it is to make sure that whatever they've designed, whatever they believe that is going to allow them to maintain and retain that world championship is hidden from the other teams. A lot of, a lot of teams have done that. I know a lot of teams have done that, but it's more important for the, world, the, the defending world champs to do it, yeah. especially with knowing that Mercedes always, since their entrance to the sport, designs a good first-year car. That's true. Especially well, with the new regulations. Well, look at what happened in 2014. Red Bull goes so hard in the 2013 World Championship that um, they got behind the ball and Mercedes dominated for seven fucking years. Yeah, and they took over the sport for seven years. And the nervous part about being a Red Bull fan and knowing that history undoubtedly always seems to repeat itself in sport is that Red Bull threw everything at the championship last year and that kind of makes me a bit nervous about what might occur this year. You're not the only one thinking that. I know. On a side note too, the symmetry this year for the the car numbers, we got one in 11. Looks great. 
I love it. It was meant to be. Well, the last time they had this, it was Danny Rick in three, Max in 33. And now we got one in 11. And I like it. There is a noticeable amount of sequential numbers or single and double digit numbers across the paddock. And I wonder if it's ever done on purpose by teams marking to be like, hey, would you use this number if you join our team? Or it just so happens that there is a, that, that a number of coincidences across the grid. Because off the top of my head, I can't think of any now, but there's a couple of people who have sequential and then double numbers. Well, I mean, if Valtteri was there with Kimi at Alpha, we'd have seven and 77. That would have been nice. I'm excited to see Guan Yu Zhou and Valtteri. I like that team. That's It sounds like a pretty decent and, and, and qualified racing team. You've got Valtteri, who's very experienced. I mean, Guan Yu Zhou never won the F2 World Championship, but every year he was in the sport, he, he, was, nev- okay. he was never out of consideration right up until the end. Mm. But he, he also has that financial backing from China. Of course, but that's part of the sport. I mean, with the new cost cap agreements and with how expensive the technology is, it's part and parcel with how it goes for the next few years until the F1 and Liberty Media can really sort out the financial burdens that go on the teams. That's fair. Yeah. And like, do I love it? No. Is is that enough of a reason to get angry and annoyed about the drivers who have that ability to get in the sport? No, because Guan Yu Zhou is a talented driver. He's not dangerous. He's always been competitive. If any paid driver has has earned their right for a seat as well, it is probably him out of the lot of them. And I'll give him that. That's fair. My my biggest concern when they were looking for a new driver was who they put in that seat because I was I was shocked it wasn't Oscar Piastri. I mean, it should have been Oscar Piastri. However, he's not in a bad position. Mark Webber, he's his driver manager. He's the reserve driver for Alpine F1. F1 contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on, which means Ocon's massive long contract will not last unless he starts converting to a more competitive style. And hey, starts he won hungry last year. He won hungry last year. Thanks to L Plan. <laughs> Thanks to the L Plan and the Spanish Minister of Defense Fernando Alonso with the with the thick rear end blocking for all those laps. That was one of the most exciting things to watch last year was Alonso v. Hamilton. It was incredible. Because He's incredible. Alonso hasn't lost it. Like he's such a good and talented driver. The only thing he has lost is his angry and bad attitude that used to get him in trouble. He's Mr. Smooth now. I love it. He's brilliant. Having that breakaway was the best thing for him. And it's so nice to have him return to the sport, this blissful, old, experienced driver who just one hand on the wheel causes his teammate to win a very difficult race and secure Alpine's first F1 win. It was awesome. And it led to one of the best... Park Ferme teammate scenes of all time with Fernando Alonso picking Ocon up into the air and spinning him around. It was lovely. Titanic style, hands out in the air. Reminded me of JD and Turk from our Scrubs, the eagle moment. Absolutely. I think what we can take from this is that the Red Bull is exactly what we expected and there's not much more to say about it. I forgot we were talking about Red Bull there. Yeah, that was the Red Bull segment. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
Shall we move on? Let's go on. Aston Martin Racing. I love it. I love it. It looks beautiful. It does. It's interesting. Why do you think it's interesting? I've seen two teams have the same design of their side pods, and it was Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo. They both got like the the vet, the cooling system is very similar on both cars, and I'm worried because let's be honest, Alfa Romeo wasn't really there last year. Nor was Aston Martin. Agreed, but we can. I think we can take last year. Aston Martin designed a high rate car, thinking the high rate car was going to do something, and it had no effect. It had zero effect. That's what you get when you buy a design from Mercedes Stroll. <laughs> I think now I haven't looked closely at the Alfa Romeo yet. I like the cutout design. I know it's to help with cooling and do a little bit of aero. I think the Aston Martin has a very aggressive front profile and that makes me excited. I know that has no technical relevance whatsoever, but the profile of the car does look aggressive and quick. And as someone who isn't the most technical fan, but is more of an entertainment enjoyment fan, that makes me feel relatively confident. Losing the pink and adding the lime green accents... I think is awesome. The I, car looks really good. I never like the pink on it. The pink clashed too much. I'm glad BWT has found a home with Alpine. I think that will look great on their color scheme. That car hasn't been released yet, though. It's coming in the next couple of days. What are you thinking? Do you think it just replaces the red? Yeah, I think so. It just makes sense. It'll look good. It will. It- Less blue, more black. Yeah, but we're talking about Aston, not Alpine. I know, I've already gotten off topic. What are we hoping for Aston this year personally? Because personally, there is one thing I want to see and I couldn't give a shit about the other car and that's Seb winning. I think that the Aston Martin production vehicles we see on the road are some of the sexiest vehicles ever designed. That's That's why they're the 007 cars. Yeah, they're the James Bond cars. See, I really like the brand of Aston Martin a huge amount. I'm a sucker for Aston Martins in general. They're some of my favorite cars. I really, really dislike Lawrence Stroll and Lance Stroll. It's nothing personally against Lance, I feel. I think it's more because of Daddy Big Bucks. I dislike Lawrence Stroll. Um, And it's mainly his attitude when incidents and allegation pops up. I don't think he handles himself well. I think he handles himself quite childishly. I I really want to see Aston Martin jump up the grid. I would like to see them, and it pains me to say it because it's going to affect two teams that I also like, but I really, really, really want to see them pushing Ferrari, McLaren, and AlphaTauri hard for third in the championship. I would love to see Seb get up on the podium and get another race win. Who wouldn't? Seb's oh. lovely. Seb, Seb deserves a win. Seb's also done the biggest heel flip in F1 history because... Oh, when he was at Red Bull, everyone fucking hated him. Everybody hated him. And anyone who's new to the sport, everybody really likes Seb now and can enjoy him. But back in the early two, early 2010s, he was not well liked, especially in Australia because of his relationships with uh, Mark Webber. I feel like Mark should have got one of those championships. Mark and that that whole one. incident in Malaysia really turned me sour on Seb. 
And see, I've got nothing to say on this because I only came into the sport recently. So I got Seb when he was having his ugly divorce from Ferrari and then he's falling back in love with the sport in Aston Martin. So I've had a really positive relationship with Seb. You've had definitely the more up and down one. Uh, it's not up and down. Like I know, I think it was 2012 when the multi-21 incident happened and Mark was really looking at getting that title. Like, I really wanted to see an Australian world champion and I really wanted it to be Mark Webber purely because Mark Webber is just, he embodies Australia, not as much as Danny Rick, but he embodied Australia and he was a great ambassador for Australia. 100% agree. The only other point I want to bring up about the Aston before we move on is that it has sort of the kind of biggest side pods mm. and they do have a significant cutoff at the back. That's my biggest concern with it aerodynamically. Is the big side pods? Big side pods. Because if you look at all the other cars, they've they've sort of like it's streamlines, the ones that have been released, whereas Aston's like that. Just just cuts off. They do, they are they are more square and rounded. But that's everything for Aston, I think. On to a team that I think as a nation we all should get behind. McLaren. Big dick Danny Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you get away with that once. <laughs> You're, I'm going to let you get away with that once, Mr. Andrew. <laughs> you can't admit that if Danny Rick heard that, he'd get right behind it. He'd love it. He, I dare say he would. I dare say he would. First of all, this car is beautiful. Oh, Every car McLaren releases, I love because I just love the McLaren car, but this year in particular. So we've had a color change from the blue going to a lighter shade and to the papaya going to a darker shade and an addition of black. I love it. Accents. It's beautiful. It looks aggressive. It looks bright. It looks fast. I think it's the nicest McLaren in years simply because there's more going on with it. I think the whole car itself looks like the most now don't get angry when i say this it looks like the most vanilla of the designs i'm not angry at you for that i i completely agree with that but in this case going into the new regulations could vanilla really be the best yeah absolutely and i think it could that's why i think this the, this mclaren is going to be quite competitive this year because it looks like they've got pieces of the significant bold choices other teams have made and they've kind of scaled them back by two or three clicks here and there. It And when I say vanilla, it does not look like the show car at all. It kind of, and I hope people understand when I say this, it's the most F1 looking of the cars. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and because of that, I think with the technical leadership of Andreas Seidel with the steady hand of Zach Brown, with the sheer experience in car development that Daniel Ricciardo has and, and the talent in Lando Norris that this year, this is going to snag two or three wins, five or six podiums, consistently in the points. I really, really hope this is a stable platform with these regulations that McLaren can get back into their winning form, but only while Daniel Ricciardo's there. Do you think this is make or break for Daniel Ricciardo this year? No. You don't? I don't think it's make or break for Daniel Ricciardo this year. I think Daniel Ricciardo has earned his position 
as a driver with enough skill and enough potent and enough promise and enough guaranteed performance that he has earned his place in any team for the next five or six years because he's jumped around teams and he's always been really, really liked. He also has that sellable culture factor. He's good for the mechanics. He's good for the pit crew. He's good for the engineers. He's good for the factory. People like that man and they like being around him and they like working with and for him. They like how he works. And I think that or that is priceless when it comes to a driver. That's completely fair. Like Danny Rick has been a breath of fresh air for F1. He's attitude towards the sport like yeah he's been in a couple teams that haven't been good but let's be honest his first year at Renault sucked his first year at McLaren while he got the best moment of the season last year for me which was when he won Monza oh it incredible. still wasn't it still wasn't uh Danny Rick's season but his second season at a team like look at his second season at Renault second season at Renault he was outperforming the car and his teammate consistently we can assume that that's going to occur here because he is talented and he is so highly regarded by the big the big commentators around the sport and by other drivers where they say that he is one of those drivers whose talent exceeds the norm. And it does. It really does. Plus, he's a high-performance athlete. Who a high-performance athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a nice guy too. So I really hope McLaren does well this year. I really, really, really want to see a couple of shoeys. Everyone wants to see the shoey. How nice was seeing all three of them, Rick, um, Lando, and Zach, do the shoeys at Monza. And I know Lando was like, oh, why people do this? But Zach got into it, and I loved it. Well, Zach is an American redneck motorsport fanatic. He loves it. He loves it. He loves McLaren. He loves it. Well, that's why that's why he's the CEO. It's his favorite thing. And that's why I genuinely believe that McLaren's going to get back to world championship winning. I'd love to see them start like get on that recovery road from what Lewis left them in. Absolutely. Because it's been it's been a rough rough few years being a McLaren fan up until to till science turned up. 100%. And Science is a very, very talented driver. I was sort of sad to see the bro-ship between Lando and Science break up. But so get, was I. But to get the Danny Rick-Lando bromance, like now that it's coming out and it's like they're, they're, they're happy together. They figured each other out. They've it, come it, to it a took, happy understanding. It took a few races, but Lando realized he's the future, but Danny Rick's there to get that car to where it needs to be. Absolutely. I think we can both agree that the general sentiment is we want to see McLaren be very competitive this year. Agreed. Agreed? Yeah. Let's move on to AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri had the most artistic car reveal of the year. Yeah. And I know we haven't spoken about the actual reveals of any of the teams yet, but none of them have necessitated a comment on the actual reveals. They were the standard, here's the stage, here's the car, here's the awkward chat with the drivers being like, yeah, this is the car, we hope it's quick, and the team principal being like, yeah, so this is the new car, and there's that stunted conversation. AlphaTauri, being a fashion company that also goes racing, had a Stargate with androids coming through the Stargate. 
appearing in high fashion and right at the end the two drivers appeared next to the vehicle and it has divided the fan base on whether it looks good or not i think it looks great i think it looks like crap you think it looks like crap okay can i just it's a red bull team Red Bull have the livery side perfect. They they just stuck to it. Why couldn't AlphaTauri just stick to their first design? That was the best one of the three so far. The first one was the best of the three so far. This one I hate. I know that it, I've looked at it a few times since our first initial conversation on it, and I get where you're coming from with it wrapping around the body and being all that. I still hate it. You're allowed to be wrong, and I won't stop you from being wrong, but it's smooth it's clean, it's matte white, that look off your face, it's matte white, it's navy, looks good, it's got the white Red Bull, I can't remember if it's a white or blue Red Bull now, it looks nice. What do you think of the physical shape of the car? It's interesting, I hope to God it's a good car because there's nothing that I enjoy more than seeing Pierre Gasly do some good. Pierre Gasly has quickly become one of my favourite Formula 1 drivers. Ever since that win at Monza and actually no, even before that, the the second in Brazil when he beat Hamilton to the line and he powered it and he was screaming into the mic. Didn't one of the drivers then get that recording and give it to him for the secret scene to that year on a USB or on a CD? Something like that. I think they did because for his secret scene, uh, he opened it up and he was like, oh, what's this? And he put the headphones in and it was just him screaming into the, into the radio as he went over the line in Brazil. But it was such a good moment because Pierre had such a horrible 2019. He did. He did. And to see him perform, outperform that car week in, week out, it's just so lovely. AlphaTauri is his home. That's his team at the moment. Like that team has really focused their development around him because he's consistently in the top six last year. Did he snag a win last year as well? No, no it was win. the year I think before. He got a, I think he got a podium. He got a podium year. last year. Uh, and then the only times he didn't really get in the points were when he got taken out. Yeah. So he really is a consistent driver. I think he is underrated by certain commentators just because of how significant his struggles were at Red Bull while he was there. But at AlphaTauri, he's really flourished and it's awesome to see. It's what should have happened to Albon, to be honest. Hopefully that can be Williams for Albon. I really hope so. Because Pierre leaving that top team, it deflated him, I understand. But what he's done since then, he was never going to do it Red Bull. No, never. The Red Bull car is famously hard to drive. Max Verstappen is a freak of a driver. He is that good. But because of that, the way he likes his car set up is very, very, very hard to wrap your head around, especially when a lot of the junior teams or the midfield teams go for a far gentler style of a car setup. The Red Bull is hyper-aggressive, hyper-twitchy, uses a lot of uh, understeer, I think. Max likes to send it into the corner, find where the grip is, and plant out of it. A lot of the other teams and his biggest rival, Lewis, goes for a far smoother, easy-in, easy-out approach. And that's where a lot of Pierre's struggles came from. And that's why someone like Sergio Perez, who's driven in multiple teams and is very experienced, can pick it up and and start to understand it. And he did, let's be real, Pierre... Oh, not Pierre. Checo did really well last year as 
the Mexican Minister for Defense for Max. It took quite a few races to get going. It was a nervous start to the year. I remember around race five or six, we were contemplating that, okay, maybe it is just the fact that the Red Bull is that hard to drive and Max and Danny were the only two people with enough talent to do it. But it turned out that no, given a little bit more time. And I think the message of last year when it came to people who have swapped teams is that it takes a minimum of three quarters of a year before you get your head fully wrapped around the driving system you're in and start producing the results that are supporting your team and putting you on the path to being a competitive teammate. Checo improved incredibly throughout the season last year. Without his improvement and without Sergio Perez doing what he did last year, Red Bull would not be world champions. That's great. I'll agree with that. Yeah, there's no way. No he, uh, way. Even though Mercedes got the World Constructors Championship, Sergio Perez getting himself to always be able to play the team game, put enough pressure on Mercedes that they made mistakes in critical moments where Red Bull didn't, and that led to them clinching the championship right at the end. That and other factors. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get we into get, it later. Yeah, we'll get into it when we do our season predictions. But another thing I want to mention, what do you think Sonoda has to do to keep that seat this year? Because let's be honest, Sonoda was there for the Honda deal. Sonoda was part of the Honda deal. For him to maintain his position, I would say that this year he would need to be, if Gasly can consistently get sixth and score points from fourth to tenth, I would say that Sonoda needs to consistently qualify between 7th and 8th in say every 2 out of 3 races at the minimum and finish no lower than his qualifying position in 2 out of 3 races every every race this year. That's a good marker. Like- I think so. I think it's pretty reasonable. The car is solid. Like the car is quite good. Is it a sister team? No. Is it closer than it's ever been? Yeah, probably. Gasly isn't a world championship contender. And I don't know if he ever will be under AlphaTauri, but he is a very consistent midfield points getter. And I think Yuki needs to either match that because AlphaTauri can bring in someone, either another junior who has more potential. Oscar Piastri would be a great steal if they could. And that wouldn't be crazy if they go for him or snag someone from F2. There's a massive amount of talent in there this year coming out. Now, how many Red Bull cars are down in F2 this year? Oh, six or seven, I exactly. think, at this point. Like both the Premers, aren't they? Yeah, both Premers plus one of the Carlins always is. I haven't checked the exacts, but easy easy five or six. Or at the end of this year, a couple of the top team drivers will be off contract again. And it wouldn't be a crazy idea for AlphaTauri to be like, well, if we're trying to be a sister team, Pierre is our primary driver who is Mr. Consistent, why don't we bring in someone like Vettel decides to move on or if Alpine decides to move Fernando on, it wouldn't be a crazy idea to bring in someone with that experience for a year and come third in the championship and secure that funding for the year ahead. It would be good to see them secure more funding. Absolutely. The more funding, the better. And look at look at what the development can be if you finish third compared to second. Yeah, you get less time in the wind tunnel, but you got more time to develop your car. And more. everything else that goes with it. Exactly. And change staffing and buy better workstations and all the stuff that comes with a couple more hundred million dollars that it does. Yeah, no, completely agree. 
that's Alpha Tori. I think Yuki, this is a make or break year for Yuki. He knows that. Yeah. And he's aware of that. He was surprised last year when they re-signed his contract. Remember, he was like, yeah, I'm shocked that they kept me on. So he's very well aware of it. And he has shown what he is capable of in the desert. For some reason in the desert, he can really turn it on. So hopefully he can take a little bit of that energy to a few more races this year because he's a great character for the sport. He's a very polite, young Japanese man until he has a helmet on, in which case he's just a very, very aggressive, swearing, angry bogan like the rest of us. I think a little what I didn't like about Yuki last year was that because he was acting like he thought Alpha Tauri was a bit better team than it truly was. Fair enough. I didn't pick up on that, but that makes sense. Because he, he was whinging. Uh, he, when he came on the radios, he was whinging a lot. And it's like, mate, you're in an Alpha Tower. You're not in a Red Bull. Like, you shouldn't be whinging this much. Maybe he fell for the marketing of sister team. He yeah. seems pretty out of the loop every time he's in an interview. Nah, completely agree. <laughs> I think he just read on Instagram that it was supposed to be a, a sister team to Red Bull and he just didn't quite pick up on it. Could be. But I, I thought he was in the junior system, so he should have sort of known like Alpha Tower is the, the junior team. Yeah, maybe he just had a bit of a bad attitude. That's what it seemed like. Do you want to talk about Williams? Yeah, let's move on. I want to talk about Williams. Let's talk about Williams. I think what I'm about to say will upset quite a few people. Shocking. I'm not a massive fan of this Williams. You're wrong, and you're allowed to be wrong. Don't use my own words against me. Nah, I'm doing it. That this year's Williams is the best-looking Williams I've seen in a long time. It looks time. like a Rexona deodorant can. I really like the dark blue. Oh, the dark you know blue's what? nice. You know what? If they still had the Rexona sponsorship, I would say it still looks like a Rexona can, and it'd be sick. It's the light blue and red tick on the front. Meh. I like it. I like the chassis of the car. I think it looks fast. It definitely does. I want it to be fast. I think I really, really like both drivers on the team. Do you know what? I think it just kind of looks a bit bland. Not ugly, not gross, not bad, but it's just kind of bland. No, I think you're wrong. Yeah, fair enough. I, I really like it. This is the best looking Williams in a few years. I really want them to do well for two reasons. One... This is the first year they've done it without Frank being around. So Frank's not going to be there to see it. So I would love to see them further up on the grid scoring scoring consistent points. And the other reason is Latifi. He cops so much at the end of last year. It was because you and I both love the sport and we love arguing about it. And when we're watching, we will say quite negative and hateful things about the driver, but that's mainly event and for our own comedy purposes. Yeah. Never once has that ever instilled in us an emotional urge to message anybody on social media. And that statement he released, because we all, when we saw what happened, we all made the comment that, oh, that's probably not going to go too well for him, knowing how negative mm. some fans can act. And then seeing him come out with a statement really, really reminded that, yeah, man, you copped a lot of abuse and quite hateful abuse for what? Wasn't his fault. Wasn't he, his fault. It was it, a it was, crash, man. It happens all the time. Anyone who has any experience in motorsport knows how hard those cars to con, are to control. Anyone who has spent 
any small amount of time in any racing simulation style video game or in a racing simulator knows that one millisecond worth of uh judgment like a misjudgment or anything yep and you're off and that's exactly what happened and he spent weeks not being able to have an online presence because of that so it was disgusting to see so because of that i'd love to see williams do better yeah and another point on that too like when we were like we were all watching that race live. I know you weren't in the comments we were talking about. I had had fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I started the race. I saw Hamilton get out in front by like 10 seconds. And I went, you know what? Eight world championships ain't that bad of a deal. I fell asleep. I woke up to fireworks and people running across the track and people crying and people screaming, but no one would actually tell me who won it. So then I had to go back 10 minutes and watch the last couple of laps and figure out what actually happened. And then I opened up the group chat and started commenting like, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so like we're, we're a part of a group chat with a bunch of our friends who also love the sport. And we're all commenting because what it was like 2am in Australia when this was going on. Something crazy like that. Yeah, and, and we had work the next day. Yeah, that was a stupid thing. And we we're up watching this race and when Latifi crashed off we had all given up hope on Max catching Lewis we had all we were all really depressed and we were contemplating turning it off and then Latifi has gone off and the comments in that chat have just exploded like we've got a chance we're not going to see eight yeah and and that and we were praising Latifi to be honest. We we're like, you know what, son? That's not too bad. And this isn't to say that we don't like Lewis whatsoever. He no. is still one of the best drivers of all time and, and I have he's it. one of the greatest human beings of all time. Without a doubt. The work his humanitarian work he does is equal to his performance on track, which that is stellar. That being said, I do not enjoy watching Lewis Hamilton drive. Absolutely fair enough. And we really wanted to see Max win last year because it's good for the sport. And yeah, I didn't want to see another year of Mercedes dominance. No, like, and Lewis is going to probably end up with 10 world championships. That's the most yeah. realistic outcome. Like, he's still, what, got two more years on his contract and he'll probably sign another year contract after that? Well, that's the thing. Lewis will stop racing when Lewis decides to. It doesn't matter what who he's signed to. If he goes to any team and goes, hey, can I race? They'll say, yeah, we'll fire anybody. Yeah. He's that good. But I would like to... I'd, Saying that, I would love to see Lewis go to Haas and do a year at Haas. Could you imagine Lewis and Mick? It would be great. They'd get some points. It'd be so good, and I think that it'd help that team so well. I know it'll never happen. But I'm it's not, a nice thing to think about. It is a nice thing to think about. And, you know, you can play the F1 games and just force Lewis to Haas. You start at Haas and then you sign with Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should try that. I think we should too, because I think it'd be a great, great year. A great little experiment. We can provide little updates on it. Anything more about Williams though? Anything about the physical body of the car that you picked up? The nose. The nose on this car in the front wing. It's curved. The front wing's got it's, an interesting curve to it. I really like it. I think it's an aggressive no I think it's an aggressive aero choice that they've taken, which is similar to the Ferrari. Not as extensive to the as the Ferrari, which we'll probably get into next, but I really like it. I really like the look of it. I, I think of it more like a high caliber bullet, that front end, because it's it's rounded, it curves over, and bullets are meant to go quick, and that's what I want to say the Williams do. I hope you're right, and I hope they're right with the choices they've made. The nose was the only thing, and the front wing was the only standout 
yeah. that I wanted to mention as well, and you've summed it up perfectly. So on to Ferrari. Ferrari has made the most bold choices when it comes to their car design this year. It's the most aggressively designed chassis we've seen with the workable things they can do within the regulations. Because of that, I think it's going to be incredibly quick. Every person who likes Formula One does have a little bit of Ferrari in them. You've got to. You've got to. It's the rules. Yeah. It might even be written in the rules. Ferrari still controls the rule book. But this Ferrari looks squat. It looks small. It looks tight. It looks compact. It looks quick. It looks aggressive. It's got the matte red. It's got no stupid colors on it. It's got black numbers. I like the name. The name is the SF75. Absolutely lovely name. It's brilliant. I hope they're quick. I like the driver's lineup. If anything, in Ferrari, this is make or break for Mattia Bonotto. I completely agree. He's not had a great run as team principal. He hasn't had a great run, but we are aware of why Ferrari had those struggles. This is a fresh start for them as an operating unit. I hope... Well, we know how talented Charles is. Mm-hmm. When he's up front, he's Mr. Smooth. When he's up back, he's Mr. Aggressive, and it normally gets results. And Carlos is a smooth operator. Carlos is the smooth operator of the grid. He's Mr. Chill. He's always where he needs to be. He's only ever made one mistake, and that was Sochi a couple of years ago, and yep. it was a really good mistake. Uh, apart from that, I think it's going to be great. I I like the bold boldness of it. It's the first... One, to really look at the regs and change it. And if you look back at when the F1 released CAD designs of what they expect cars to be, yeah, this is the first one that's taken that dip on the side pods and have the air vents there. And I'm concerned for it, but I feel like they know what they're doing. I was going to bring that up. It has nearly vertical air, air vents because it's up on the side pod and it's less on the top of the... Sp- the, the body of the yeah. car. It's it's up near the... But it also mirrors the Aston design with the, the cooling system on the side being a semi, semi-vertical. It does. And it's made me feel... Since seeing that, it's made me feel a little better about the Aston, but also concerned about the Aston. Yeah. Because of the, the, the variation that Ferrari's gone with it. Ferrari has taken a more extreme look at it. And I guess, too, because Ferrari has... St- design their car so much that if this is an an incorrect design, they can kind of work backwards. They can kind of rebuild the car out less so than the Aston, which looks like it's at its max size. They would have to shrink and redesign in where Ferrari looks like they can just design back out to a more standard shape. And if this one is ineffective and if this one is effective, then they might have nailed it and we could be looking at another Scuderia World Championship. I do want to point out that the the one thing I've noticed about Ferrari is they weren't that great pre-Michael and post-Michael they were okay. So it's weird because when we were growing up, Ferrari was always their number one, number two. They were always number one and number two, but they also had Michael there. And since Michael has retired and had his accident and not been a part of the Ferrari family, it's been weird seeing them slip down the grid. It is the big myth with Ferrari that because of how captivating Ferrari and Michael were together, 
that the rose-tinted glasses has painted Ferrari as this constant dominant force when in reality they have always been an okay to above average team until Hmm. Michael and those, what, eight, seven, eight years? Yeah. Like if you think about it, the, the, the years of 2000 to 2004, those world championships, those started in 96, 97 when he moved to Ferrari. Like if you watch the Schumacher documentary on Netflix, it goes into the detail of how Michael was at the track working with the team until midnight, 1 a.m. to get this car to where it won those world championships. Like it's incredible the amount of effort that Michael put in. Yeah, some people say Michael was one of the dirtiest drivers that have ever been, but you know they're wrong. Michael put in the effort. Yeah, he had his moments, but so is Lewis. Everyone does. It's, yeah. To become a world champion, you've got to be aggressive. You have to be aggressive. No. And it, when when everybody's being aggressive, and this is the interesting thing that happened last year with people either being a Max or Lewis fan is. There were multiple occasions last year where they were both being aggressive and one person came out the victor. And if either of them had behaved differently, the incident would have gone differently. But the main point of that is, is you can't behave differently because the other driver's not willing to either. Therefore, it's necessary for you both to be aggressive. Of course, there's going to be controversial bumps or nicks where one person comes out on top. Monza. That's also why we love the sport so much because it gives us something to get fired up over. If every race nothing happened and they just kind of one or two passes, the sport wouldn't survive. We need that little bit of fire and aggression. You need that. That's what's so great about sports like NASCAR and Formula One, IndyCar, Supercars. They've got those larger-than-life drivers who are aggressive. Yeah. Whether it be a Max Verstappen, a Lewis Hamilton, a Shane Van Gisbergen, that wanker Scott McLaughlin. <laughs> sorry, I've never liked Scott McLaughlin. Uh, you, you can't stand Scott McLaughlin. I really can't. I'm sorry. I don't care if someone's a Scott fan. I never liked him as, in the supercars and I was so happy. He, he reminded me of Marcus Ambrose. Fair enough. And the, one of the best things that ever happened with Marcus Ambrose was when he crashed with Murphy and Murphy told him to F off to America already. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I felt about Scott McLaughlin. It is. It was the right decision for him to leave that sport. However, we've been running for quite a while. I think we should take talk about Mercedes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's move on to Mercedes. I don't like it. That's fair. I don't like it because it's a Mercedes, but I also like it because it's a Mercedes. It's, it's a weird say, statement to say, but I don't like it because it looks like it's a winning car for Mercedes. It does. So I don't like the livery. I think there's too much going on. I think all the colors clash. There's red, there's neon blue, there's bit of black, there's silver. It's too busy. You've got stars. You've got the red star for Nikki. Yep. I'm fine with the red star. It looks like they kind of wanted to go, we want to have a Mercedes that looks like all of the Mercedes. Instead of just going, this is what the new Mercedes looks like. I think they did need to go back to being the Silver Arrow. Silver's they, fine. That's the but that's their nickname. They're the Silver Arrow. And the silver the silver's fine. I just think they've had better silver cars before. That's fair. The black had the black looked incredible. The black always looked incredible on that Mercedes. But it does seem that some other teams have gone for darker, so moving back to silver was the right choice. But they've kept the race suits black. They've kept the race suits black, which look good. Yeah. I know this is going to sound controversial, but I never liked Lewis in that white suit. No, and then especially if it was ever a wet or like yeah. dirty race, they'd come out looking really gross. 
and they're and usually on the podium, and so they look like they're brown. <laughs> yeah, or stormtroopers. Yeah, like not. It wasn't good having a white suit. I've never liked white suits on anyone. And it looks like a darker silver this year too. Yeah. Then some of their like the 2016 one is almost like gunmetal silver. Mm. This looks like a darker, almost a grey. It looks incredibly quick. They've got angled end plates on the nose. Mm-hmm. And they look very, very designed. It looks fast. It looks well thought out. Of course it's well thought out. It was Mercedes it's and Mercedes. It's going to be quick. It's got two of the quickest drivers on the grid it's racing got, it. Yep. And two very talented drivers. It's got the best infrastructure behind it. It was always going to be, it's always going to be a quick car, that Mercedes. Yep. It's... It's it. The design is ugly. The car looks incredibly quick, and I would be nervous if I was any other driver and team because it looks like they've got something that's quite, quite well thought out. They really do. The other thing I want to say about Mercedes is I believe this year Mercedes is the the sook off. We got Sookie George and Wingy Lewis. We do. We have. Lewis, my tires never work, but I'm going to do it the fastest lap and come first by 15 seconds. And we have George Russell. I crashed into Bottas, but it's his fault. Yeah. This is unacceptable, guys. Like, we should be scoring points. George George in the Williams. George in the Williams that has one front nose between two cars. Yeah. I don't know what it is about British drivers. And I don't want to sound racist here, but you all sound like sooks. Even Lando to an extent, and I love Lando. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Lando. I like Lewis quite a bit. George, I'm excited to see what he does. I think he's going to give Lewis a run for his money. I, really I hope so. Do. Because Lewis is, he's loved Valtteri as his teammate because Valtteri has unfortunately been. He's never, fun. never quite gotten to the point of being a true competitor. And when Lewis is under pressure, Lewis makes mistakes. And that's what I like to see. I like to see Lewis making mistakes. Like I know he's about probably the greatest driver that's ever lived. He's the goat, but... I'd say so, but we want to see him under pressure. I want to see him under pressure. I want to see him fight for every single point. It's awesome. That that was what made last year so exciting was because every point mattered. Like, I know he joked at uh, Zanvoort when um, he made that comment. It's like, I need that point, man. But he did need that point. It turned out he did need that point. He absolutely needed that point. It was such a funny moment to happen because we went, oh, classic Lewis having a whinge over one point as if that's going to matter. Yeah, that really mattered in the end. It absolutely mattered. Because he would have been leading going into Abu Dhabi. And And I think that would have put enough pressure on Max and Max might have lost it at Abu Dhabi if Lewis was one point ahead. I agree. Now, I think it's time to wrap up. So do you have anything you would like to mention about any of the other teams and the liveries so far? I, I do want to mention that the the Alfa Romeo because we've seen the digital camo, like it's gone out on a test run this week. Yep. What did and you notice? I noticed it had a similar side pod design to the Aston. And a lot of people are mentioning that. And if I'm Aston, I'm a little worried that the only team that's sort of similar is Alfa Romeo purely because of their history. Alfa Romeo has been struggling to make gains. They've been consistent low midfield for the last few years. And I think that has something to do with their drivers of the last three years. Without a doubt. And I don't want to knock Kimi here. It's not a massive knock at Kimi, but he wasn't in full competitor mode. No, he was just there having some fun. He was there because it was his hobby. And And he was building and designing the car. Yeah, and 
like Giovinazzi did well, but he wasn't F1 caliber. I think he was F1 caliber, but what I think he was lacking from the successful F1 drivers is a skill that you can't really put a number on, and that's luck. Yeah. Because he drove well, but every time he had an opportunity to convert it into something that would have been a reason for the team to continue their working with him and their relationship with him, he was either taken out or a wheel went off the track slightly or he hit debris. He never had any luck and... Part of the reason why Lewis is so incredible is he has luck and it never seems to run out. Agreed. And Max is also quite lucky and Danny can do things that seem superhuman because of luck. Luck is a definite... It is a a factor. Luck is a definitive factor in this sport and some drivers have more of it than others. Giovinazzi never seemed to find any luck and that was kind of why Alfa Romeo went. It's like you had enough talent but never enough luck for that talent to ever matter for us to justify keeping you when we have so many experienced young drivers and so many experienced financial drivers coming up. Because Gio was a paid driver too. He had a massive amount of Italian sponsorship behind him. Uh, But it's very rare that even when drivers are picked on merit that they don't come with some sponsorship as well. Every driver comes with some. Even Grosjean had sponsorship. Absolutely. Well, and mate, he was the unluckiest driver in F1. Oh. And the luckiest. So I think what Grosjean proved is that while he never had any luck, he actually had an insane amount of luck. He just decided to use it when it mattered the most. And saving his own life. In saving his own life and and keeping all of us from watching what would have been one of the most tragic occurrences in the sport. And it ended up being one of the most wholesome. Yep. Shout out to the Halo. Shout out to everything about that yep. crash that saved his life. Yep. That was insane. Well, mate, I think that's where we can leave our livery chat. Let's wrap up. Adjust your microphone, man, so you're speaking directly into your input. Don't tell me what to do. You're coming off to the side a little bit, son. Sorry. That's all good. We'll just chop that bit. That's all. Yeah, that's fair. Otherwise, you're going to have to write and feedback to me. Hey, man, tell that other dude to speak into the fucking microphone. We'll keep this. We'll keep that for like a little outro bits. You really should, because that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that for little outro bits. <laughs> We're the the fourth wall episode where it's us giving each other live production notes. Speak up, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking, we might even just leave it in now. <laughs> All right, do you want me just to do the sweeper again? We'll yeah, let's do the sweeper and we'll go for Haas. I love seeing how Seb has stepped in and kind of taken Mick under his wing within the Formula One world and definitely kind of provided the guidance and Jack just fucked up his sentence. (laughs) 